Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa aparudha de sangamatasa tavara so this is the Magga Puja and uh, this is uh, a tri- one of the main events of the Theravadan Buddhist calendar, the Magga Puja, the full moon in February and the Asala Puja usually in May, or the Visaka um, Puja in May, and then Asala Puja in uh, July, and then the Katina. So there about four kind of major events that are, are part of this tradition. And of course this was this is the uh, Ovada Padimoka in the 1,250 uh, bhikkhus who were all arhats assembled spontaneously and the, uh, to pay respect to the Buddha and he gave this what is called Ovada Padimoka. <clears throat> so I'll read this as a translation. Patient forbearance is foremost is the foremost self-discipline. Nibbana is paramount. The Buddhists say, one who harms others is no renunciant. One who mistreats another is not a samana. Refraining from all evil, performing the skillful and good, purifying one's mind. This is the teaching of the Buddhas. Not to disparage, not to harm, restraint, in line with the code of, uh, of code of training, moderation in food, dwelling secluded, commitment to the heightened mind. This is the teaching of the Buddha. <clears throat> so it's like it's uh, simple. Simply put, do good, refrain from doing evil, purify the mind. <clears throat> so this is. <clears throat> the simplicity of the teaching. If you've got 1,250 arahants, you don't need a lot of elaborate teaching. It's the simple simplicity of do good, refrain from doing evil, purify the mind. But then this, you know, this, even this simple teaching, if you're not an arahant, then you you tend to take it in a very personal way. So I should do good, and I should refrain from doing evil, and I should purify my mind. <clears throat> and of course, this, this I should, I, I, the sense of myself as a separate person, is uh, what we call sakaya ditti, the, the personality view, the ego. The identification of oneself 
with the physical body, with the memories, emotions, uh, feelings that one has through this form. And so uh, the the uh, more elaborate forms of vipassana meditation are kind of uh, attempts to give us skillful means to to break down this illusion of a of a separate self of a personality of an ego and this uh, this is of course one of the this is the main obstruction to liberation as long as there's any sense of i am uh in you know operating from that assumption from that perception from that uh way of thinking and seeing the world, interpreting experience always my my thoughts, my views, my feelings, my life, my virtues, my sins and whatnot, and I've got to purify my mind, then this this of course, even though this is what we call true, uh and we get into this this conundrum of true but not right, right but not true. And what, it's, what I'm pointing to is just uh, the limitation of language and the thinking process because, uh, you know, you can't think yourself into enlightenment or you can't, you can't see through the ego through analyzing it or thinking about it. Either trying to, to ignore it, get rid of it or make a, make yourself into someone who has a pure mind or and does good and doesn't do anything bad. <clears throat> and that this is where this emphasis on mindfulness is is the uh, is the clue, is the key, is the is the way. Mindfulness, sati sampachanya, satipanya and these are not personal attributes, you know, so it's not about who's mindful, who has wisdom, who is an arahant, who is a batuchana, who is a stream enterer, and on and on like this. So batuchana is a Pali word for one who has not even a clue, <laughs> totally deluded. So that's, that's one, <clears throat> that's a term for a totally deluded human being. And then, as we awaken and begin to see through the delusion and the illusions of the sense realm, the conditioned experience that we have, uh, then there's these stages of Sotapanna Sakada Kamiana Kamiarahat. But then, you know, to think that I'm I'm a Bhutuchana, is still Sakya Ditti, as well as the thing, I'm an Arahant. So the problem is with the, this uh, sense of I am, something or not something. And that's a creation through thought, isn't it? It's language, it's, uh, and language is built around the ego. And when we think about ourselves, then we, we uh, you know, we, have memories, we have feelings, we have uh, habits, tendencies, 
and and these we identify with and we call them my my virtues if they happen to be good or my sins if they happen to be bad so this is what you you know in modern terminology they call a catch 22 problem because you can't really get out of the trap through anal- analyzing yourself or through trying to figure it all out or you know operating from this basic assumption of sakaya ditti and so it's called a fetter or a sangyojana in pali it means a fetter something that binds you and uh, uh, it's a manacle it's a state jacket it's it, you're tied to uh, the conditioned realm. As soon as you, if you don't understand, if you don't have any knowledge and perspective on Sakaya Ditti. So I'm using this term Sakaya Ditti, but it, it can mean, you know, the, the ego, putting in modern, you know, Freudian terms or personality view. But what it is, is this, this, this the thought process of I am this body, this person, this appearance. It's the I am, I am not. <clears throat> and so mindfulness then, you know, intuitive awareness, sati-sampachanya, these terms, this is the ability that we have to observe the thinking process. Because we can listen to ourselves thinking. We can, we, there's a knowing when whatever emotion we're having in the present, there's a recognition of it. If you bother to look, you know you're feeling happy or sad or inspired or depressed. You know if those kind of conditions are present in the uh, at this moment if you whatever you're feeling right now sitting here there's a knowing of that of your feeling isn't it of your emotional of your mood so and then we identify the mood with uh, we possess it it's my I feel happy I feel sad I feel inspired, I feel depressed. So notice that the, this is a way of creating this a sense of a self. I am my feelings, I am my physical appearance, I am my position, my social status, my nationality, I am uh, male or female, I am young or old. This is all, this is, you know, these are statements of, you know, based on convention, what they call samuti satcha, or the conventional realities that we use. So they function, you know, they're allowable and, and work within the structure of uh, society and daily life. But if never questioned, if that's all we know, then, uh, then we never, we'll always feel something missing, some lack, something, uh, you know, something missing in our lives. A sense of dukkha or unsatisfactoriness or anxiety about the future or guilt about the past. 
So notice that the Sakyaditi is the first fetter, number one. The second is Silabhattabharamasa, the third is Vichikicha. And so these are Pali words, of course, Sakyaditi. Silabhattabharamasa is, is conditioning, like cultural, social conditioning. Conventions that we've acquired through social identities or cultural ethnic identities, racial identities that you acquire from being born into the family and the, in the culture and the and, and so forth that you that you're born into, your parents and and what you are conditioned by after birth. So one can be attached to being a Buddhist and it still can be Sila Bhatta Bharamasa or Ansakyaditi. I'm a Buddhist uh, is, is uh, say, on a cultural, Samutsacha is just a statement of, on, on, you know, in terms of reference of religious, why, what identity you have, what religion you identify with. But in Meditation, then, where we're no longer operating from I am a Buddhist to observing, being this, this puto, this awareness itself, observing Dhamma. You know, it's a, it's Dhamma that we, that we, uh, see through, through awareness rather than cultural biases, uh, cultural conditioning, personal tendencies, the ego, whatever. All these things are then seen in terms of Dhamma. All conditions are impermanent. So that's why the emphasis, this, this, uh, the essence, the uh, foremost is the mindfulness. Now mindfulness, of course, is, is, uh, we can conceive it, but it's not, it's not a conception. And that's why in this statement, forbearance, patient forbearance is the foremost self-discipline. As any of you who have practiced meditation recognize uh, the necessity of being patient. Because, <laughs> you know, just a monastic life is an exercise in being patient and forbearing because uh, you know we're we're in a society that that isn't a very patient one it's uh we're not we're not part of a culture where patient forbearance is is uh, is the foremost virtue that we we develop <clears throat> and so in uh, meditation of course when we Try to meditate through just the ego and the and the cultural conditioning and trying to get something and get rid of something and the controlling tendencies. Uh, we we're quite clever on the intellectual level, so we can figure out dhamma. You know, we can form opinions and and uh, you know have views about Buddha's teaching and 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 kind of figure it all out intellectually, but <clears throat> that doesn't necessarily mean you, you have any patience. 
may, maybe it means you have a, a good mind that likes to figure things out on that level. But in Bhattibhata or meditation practice is about patient forbearance. Listening, being patient, observing. Sati Sampachanya. And instead of just, you know, gritting your teeth and stiff upper lip and grin and bear it kind of, as, you know, as we tend to see patients, as, as, you know, just, you know, stiff upper lip, just bear with it, you know, kind of thing. It's a kind of resignation. It's a still very Sakyaditi oriented. It's not... It doesn't really develop kanti baramita or patient endurance or forbearance. It just means we we learn how to, you know, bear something in a negative way. But patience is uh, isn't about being negative. It's being a willingness to let things be what they are. To uh, to look inward rather than outward. Instead of seeking ideal situations externally, perfect monasteries or ideal places where everything is is uh, silent and and peaceful, and there's not and not any irritate, irritants or problems arising, we can we can imagine a place, you know, the ideal place where uh, the conditions are perfect. But in terms of our karma and of this realm that we're living in, there's no perfection in it. That's a, you'll never find a perfect monastery, a perfect situation anywhere. Because the very nature of conditioned phenomena is, it's imperfect. You know, it's not, you can't sustain just goodness and make everything good and beautiful that uh, inevitably good arises and then it changes and it's and what seems perfect at this moment will change into something that isn't so good anymore and become disillusioned with it with what we we consider the perfect situation then Later on, it becomes uh, one that you only are critical of. But the observing, this is the is the puto, this putang sarnangachami, the ability to observe, and that takes patience. This is a tremendous patience just to observe your your mood and to let it be what it is. It's so easy to judge our moods. It's, uh, you know, we, we tend to see them, uh, the good ones we want to keep and the bad ones we want to get rid of. You know, we, we, we have, you know, we have, we're conditioned to want to make everything good and eradicate everything bad. So this war of the, between heaven and hell. That is very much a part of our culture. They seen one opposed to the other, and then the Buddhist 
perspective is is uh, is a transcendent one because it is intuitive. It's awareness, which you know isn't need. It doesn't have any quality of goodness or badness. It's not a condition that has a quality, but it's certainly. You know, if if we never had never had a mindful moment, we would have died when we were infants. I mean, it's it's a it's a natural state of being that we um, that you know we don't notice. We when we're caught up into the conditioning process, the sakaya ditti, silabhatabharamasa, vichikicha, we. We, even though we, we have mindful moments, we're not aware of them because we're always caught into the, the personality of me trying to get something, get rid of something, worrying about the future, regrets about the past, resentments about past experience, anxiety, worry, So these are, you know, the modern life, you know, what we, we, we tend to be, when you think a lot about the future, what happens to, you know, to you when, you, when you're planning your future? And, and, you know, you don't know what the future will bring at this moment. You know, so it could be, you know, success, failure, happiness, suffering, praise, blame. You might be healthy and live to a hundred. Or you might, you know, be, you know, unhealthy, sickly for, and live to a hundred. <laughs> you might die the next moment, you know. <laughs> Future is the unknown. And so, you know, anything is possible for the future. And then what does that do? What kind of mental state? When, you, when you're always looking to the future, what does that bring? Well, in my experience, I, I worry. You know, hope maybe. I hope everything's going to be all right. I have hope that everything will be okay in the future. <clears throat> but there's also, at the same time there's hope, there's also fear or anxiety. And now is the time, you know, you just uh, read newspapers or uh, the New Statesman or the Guardian, <laughs> these kind of political journals and uh, listen to the news on the radio and it's, oh, it's a very scary time. You know, there's so many uh, kind of doomsday predictions that are being generated in, in news casting. Population pressures, environmental changes, global warming, and on and on like this. And these, we don't know what that's going to be, you know, what, how miserable that's going to make us. Or maybe, you know, we think of hopefully global warming will make the weather better in England. You know, one prediction was we'll, 
eventually we'll be like, uh, we'll have a, a climate like southern France, like Provence. That sounds rather nice. And then the other one is the, is the Gulf Stream will pack up and we'll be more like Greenland. And that doesn't sound so good. But the, the truth of this moment is we don't know, isn't it? The, way, the weather at this time is this way. And then in this, in this moment, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I, I like the weather or I don't like it, it's good, bad, but it is the way it is. And so this is mindfully observing just uh, the uh, weather that one is experiencing is like this which is uh, a reflection, an observe, observation, with, with that before it goes into wanting it to change or not wanting it to change or wanting it to be something it's not or complaining about it because it's not what you, you would like. So this uh, mindfulness, sati, and Sampachanya, it's the clarity of consciousness, consciousness, informing consciousness with wisdom. So, in the, the wisdom approach in which you're observing, you're discerning, though you're not trying to, to just ignore the weather and, and take positions, oh, it doesn't really matter the weather, uh, just put up with it and when it's cold and like that. It's not coming from from some kind of Grin and Barrett position or, uh, you know, you shouldn't complain, but it's about the weather, but it's, it's listening that the weather is like this, which is a, a, a kind of way of thinking that's pointing. It's not defining. It's not evaluating. Not judging it in any way. Try that, just to observe, you know, like anxiety about the future, worry about the future, is like this. And it's your, then you, you know, you can, you know, you're, you're not trying to suppress worry or, or ignore it, but you're observing it. And that which observes worry, anxiety, fear, that which knows it's like this, then that's sati sampachanya. And, and in this tradition we use this, this puto reflection on Buddha, puto and bhutang jarnangachami, this, this is, uh, you know, the Thai forest tradition generally uh, this is a, one of their skillful means. <clears throat> and so it, it's uh, Puto is a kind of mantra uh, form of Buddha. And it, and of course it's uh, for me it, it uh, I found it very helpful because it, there was always this sense of of knowing something and, and always wanting to find the knower. 
You know, like you're trying to figure it out. What is it that knows? If there's no self, if there, everything is anatta and there's no self, what is it that knows then? And and then, uh, you know, so it, when you try to think about it in that way, then you will, you know, you, you, you'll go around in circles. Lung Pa Chai say your, your brain will explode trying to think about anatta or non-self. So, because you you end up going around in circles, because that's how how that thinking process is. It's it's uh, it's limited uh, in that way. Its function is never a transcendent one. It can't be. It's a conditioning. It can be a skillful means, but it's not an end in itself. And so, uh, and and we are a very uh, you know, educated, informed population. You know, we have so much information, so much knowledge and information available in, in, in more than ever at any time in the history of humanity. Probably now, at this time, there's more information available uh, in every way to the average, almost every human being. And so we acquire a lot of knowledge, uh, a lot from outside. We have various political views, uh, cultural attitudes, religious biases, ideals that we hold. Very attachment to maybe some ethnic identity that seems, you know, with uh, in at this time, ethnic identity becomes very strong. You become, you know, to identify with, with some ethnic group rather than some nation. So you see the dev- devolution in, in what was called the United Kingdom. It's not so united. <laughs> because being Scot or Welsh or whatever, Irish and whatnot is it's becoming foremost identity rather than British. And then you see it in in like the the, uh, uh, Basque movement in France and Spain and 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 all these these groups, the Kurds and all these different uh, ethnic groups that have been repressed by some other more dominant group, and now we're coming out demanding strong identities, strong sense of wanting to to be uh, this ethnic, have this ethnic language or culture. And and of course, uh, you know, I'm not complaining about this, but pointing out how, you know, the 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 thinking mind and the uh, to condition phenomena is the very device. Its, its function is to divide, to separate, and uh, and so that that's how the thinking mind works. It's we call it dualistic because if you have heaven, then there's hell, good, there's bad, right, wrong, true, false. Now try to imagine. something that's neither true nor false. 
or trying to imagine, say, some, that which was never born and never dies. You know, how do you imagine it? Like the word imagine in English is like, it's an image to, to form a concept or an image. To image something. Something that does that which, which is not a thing. Even the words like something can be misleading. Or nothing. Because something is one extreme and then nothing is, a, is the other in terms of dualistic thinking. And yet, we have this intuitive ability, which is awareness, which is, is not an extremity of any sort. And which, uh, can, which we, you know, directs our lives. So we're not, you know, we, we do manage to survive in various ways through, uh, various experiences of childhood on up to old age. And if we, you know, if we were never mindful at all, we, we would, we would die in an infancy. You have to, it's a necessity, but yet it's, uh, we can live in, with the assumption that we're not mindful or that, uh, you know, and totally committed to the illusion of a separate self and to the opinions that one grasps, the cultural biases and prejudices and that, that one grasps are right. Like if you're grasping something, if you believe something's right and you grasp that condition of being right, what happens? You know, so like you become someone who's right. Which means that if somebody else doesn't agree with you, then they're wrong. So there's a division, isn't it? It's a you know, you agree with me, then you're, you are right too, because I'm right. And then you must agree with me because, uh, to be right. And if you don't, then you're wrong. It's a kind of logical, there's a logic to it. But mindfulness is not about being right or wrong. It's, it's an imminent state of attentiveness. It's attention, lucidity in the present, it's clear, and it's not, and where the sense of a separate self can be seen as an object. Or the sense of I'm right can be seen as a, as a mental object. So notice that, that in the, like Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness, these are, these are skillful teachings around getting this perspective of awareness in terms of the body, in terms of the Vedana of feeling, in terms of the states of mind, and seen, seen in, term, in the terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of personal prejudices, personal uh, attitudes. So, in, in terms of doing good, refraining from doing evil, purifying the mind, this 
This is the Owada Pati Moka. But then also contemplate that, that how one interprets that, as I, as I mentioned before in the beginning. I must, I must, uh, do good and I must refrain from doing evil and I, I must purify my mind is Sakya Ditti. Now in uh, this convention that we have, Theravada Buddhism, its aim is, is not to, you know, to, to create conventions for clinging, but uh, they're expedient means. They're, they're uh, things to be used, not to be identified <laughs> with. And that's where, you know, we, where religion tends to, to make all its mistakes and become counterproductive to its ultimate aim is we, we, we tend to attach to the conventions and, and, and not see beyond them, like the finger pointing at the moon. You know, you, 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 you learn the conventional forms of a religion, but not to where that is pointing. And, and to me, any religion is a pointer. If it's not a pointer, it's not a religion. It's some kind of condi- cultish conditioning, maybe, or whatever. But if it's pointing, at ultimate reality, at liberation, or in Christianity they call it salvation, or whatever words a particular religion chooses to use, what are they pointing at is, is beyond the, the convention itself. And in, uh, in Buddhist teaching it's very clearly stated, you know, that this the, 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 because mindfulness is the is the essence. It's the, it's the important. Uh, it's what's you know what the whole thing is about is awakening to the way it is, rather than becoming a Buddhist or becoming a stream enterer, becoming an arahant, becoming a Buddha, becoming anything. Now the the self view isn't it? It's all about becoming. You know, I've got to become kinder, better person. I, and then it's about getting rid of bad habits, bad thoughts, negative emotions, and purifying the mind can if taken from Sakya Ditti level, can absolutely be, make you fall into despair. How do you purify your mind from Sakya Ditti? You know, can, can I purify my mind through what? What do I do? I try to blank it out or go into a trance, maybe, or, you know, just, uh, we think of, you know, maybe sensory deprivation. We find some place where nothing is impinging, no irritants, no responsibility, no people around, no 
uh, you know, these sensory deprivation tanks uh, where you you lie in this water that's your own body temperature and there's no sound, no sensation. And, you know, I've never done this. But people that have say it's very blissful because you, uh, you know, as you kind of relax into this, you're not being stimulated, irritated by any sensory impingements. And there's still consciousness, but uh, get over the initial restlessness, I guess. If you, you go into a rather peaceful, blissful uh, state of, of w- which would be like pure consciousness. But if there's still Sakyaditi operating as your modus operandi, even then you, you identify with the situation. I, I can only really have peace in a sensory deprivation tank. Because you, you, you know, you don't have, you can't discern, you're merely setting up conditions that are the at least possible uh, irrit- have the least possible irritating qualities. But then, uh, you know, like in uh, uh, the monastic form, it's not about sensory deprivation. In fact, you know, we're not seeking to avoid or, or, or anything, but to reflect on it, observe the way things are. All conditions are impermanent. Sape sankarani cha. All conditions are anatta. All dhamma is anatta. So that means that we don't, we're not supposed to plug up our ears and blindfold ourselves and and so forth, but, you know, to live a life with, say, based on restraint. So we have, you know, we have the Vinaya, we have uh, the Sila to to give us boundaries for behavior, for action and speech. And we have social agreements on relationships within the the structure of Vinaya. So this is this is conventional form that is that is uh, a traditional form, and then that form is uh, you know is to be seen in terms of it is merely a form. It's a convention to be used for mindfulness. And once we accept that form, you know, we agree to live within the, that limitation, then, then, uh, you know, our lives are, you know, we're no longer, uh, you know, caught up in worldly ambitions on that level to change the forms to fit our own feelings or attitudes, but where we can observe our feelings and attitudes. So it's, uh, it makes life much more simple, this surrendering, this relinquishment, this letting go. So purifying the mind is not about me trying to purify my mind, but it's about letting go of Sakya Ditti. 
Because uh, as long as Sakya Deity is the modus operandi, then that is, you know, I'll, I'll always uh, create impurities into consciousness. This sense of separation, of I'll create unsatisfaction, no matter how good I can be as a person. You know, just trying to be good is is praiseworthy, you know, and on the, the worldly level. But it, it's not doesn't mean necessarily purifying anything. If this Sakyaditi still is the the basis for being good. <clears throat> now, in uh, in, in this uh, do good, refrain from doing evil, and in the the say the traditional form that we have with the Vinaya, it's uh, it's about doing good, action, speech, but also it's being aware of when we when we don't do good or. Uh, it's about uh, the states of mind also because in mental states we can be doing good but still be caught in anger, resentments, jealousies, fears, anxieties, worries and guilt. Where if, you know, because that's how the ego tends to operate. It's full of regrets and resentments and Envy, jealousy, fear, anxiety, worry, confusion, mental confusion, emotional confusion, doubts, insecurity. <clears throat> you know, can personalities ever be very secure? You know, speaking for myself, I don't have a personality that that I feel could ever make me feel secure. Because it's a, my personality is conditioned more on a skeptical basis. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, I can't convince myself that I'm, you know, a saint or a, even a good person. You know, by thinking, no matter how good I might be, my ego does not permit me to ever find any security in in the sense of my own personal goodness and virtue, can't do it. So then, the then the tendency on the personal level is to to be very much aware of uh, when of the imperfections, make a big deal, you know, about my imperfections. What I see is are flaws or weaknesses. Uh, in my the way I think or the way I act in the world, <clears throat> some people can actually convince themselves that they're totally good, and they seem to have a certain security in that. But I I can't do that. <laughs> in fact, it's easier for me to you know on a personal level to see myself as a hopeless case. But once you once you see through that sense of me and mine, the ego, the sakyaditi. That's not sakyaditi. And that's, that's what, you know, we're cultivating. Uh, recognize, first like recognizing it 
it's recognizable. It's not an attainment. You, do, you know, you're not about to find it someplace. You just begin to recognize it. You're awakened and you're patient enough to forbear all your the doubting, confused emotions and personal habits and things to be patient with them to where uh, you're no longer just caught in, in struggling with, with the conditions of your ego. But you begin to recognize this, this awareness and the objects that one is aware of, which are the, your emotions or uh, feelings, uh, physical, mental, emotional, thoughts, memories, habit tendencies, the conditioning uh, through, uh, through the ego, through the culture, social conditioning. And then the third, which he keeps uh, doubt, is always the, is through thinking. You know, you, being attached to thinking will always make you insecure. So, you know, like people that think too much usually really can't do much of anything. Because you can always see, you know, a possible the possibility of being wrong or being failure. Let's not take a risk. Let's, you know, you know, for people that get things done, usually they they think about something long enough and then do it, you know, in order to find out. But you know, the ones that so so caught up in thinking that they don't they don't even dare risk being wrong. So they don't end up doing anything but being doubt-ridden and ambivalent. But in, uh, in meditation, observing this doubt, the uncertainty, insecurity, not knowing. Because this realm that we're in, it's a, it's a changing realm and we don't know we know it, we know changing, but we don't know how it's going to change. And how it, everything will, how the global warming will affect me in my life, or affect England in my life, or affect the Buddhist, uh, Buddhist, or Amaravati Monastery. We don't know how, what the future will bring. And, uh, we would like to have a government that that gives us certitude. You know, lower taxes and <laughs> everything. You know, they're, they're having, they'll be having an election soon here. So just prepare yourself <laughs> for a lot of uh, rubbish <laughs> promises. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to make you vote for this party or that one because they, they're promising. If you vote for me, you'll have you'll have bet, your security. You know, your, the taxes will lower the taxes. We'll do all the things you want, and they vote for me. And this is uh, this is promises, the political promises, and 
And we, with the hope, isn't it? Then we hope that they're right. Hope that that if we get the right prime minister, then everything will get better, and I'll be everybody will be happier and more secure. <clears throat> but as we all know, as we you know, if you live long enough, you begin to see through that. That's why we become cynical. It's so easy to become cynical in modern society because we've heard it all so many times, and even when we do get the you know, uh, the right president or prime minister, it, it's still insecure. Because, you know, then this, this, this state we're in is, is an experience of insecurity. You know, it's just the way it is. Dukkha, in other words. It's, this realm is an insecure realm, the sense, sense realm. It's very, you never, you know, you, you know wanting it to, to find safety and security in changing conditions. Is, you know, is hoping, isn't it? You hope everything will be okay. But in awareness now, you're observing that. Hoping is like this. I hope everything will be okay. Or dreading, I know everything's going to go wrong, is like this. That which is aware of hope and aware of dread. And that's, that's anatta. It's not a personal attribute. It's not mine. I, I can't claim it as, uh, you know, mine. If I do, then I'm back in the, in the trap of samsara again. So you give up being anything to just being uh, uh, attentive, the puto awareness here and now, listening, attentive, observing. And then these, these teachings that we have in this tradition, they really help to guide us towards investigating and, and all the kind of subtleties, uh, how the ego, you know, it can be very subtle and, and uh, feelings and Emotions, as you, as the more coarse uh, kind of conditions, you see through those easily enough. But there's a lot of subtle ones, attitudes, assumptions that we become. You know, as we cultivate awareness, we're aware of them as conditions, as objects in the mind, rather than than just uh, letting them hook us and and uh, get hold of us, so we lose, our, lose, we're not mindful, we get caught in various emotional hooks that can be quite subtle. So that's, uh, say, the, we have the month of March left uh, for the winter's retreat. And uh, the lay support group, I had uh, 
tea with you last evening and uh, express our gratitude for your uh, support and uh, encouragement coming here and and uh, helping us helping the monastic community you know supporting our meditation retreat for these three months it's certainly greatly appreciated by all of us <clears throat> but also this uh, you know whether you're a monastic or a lay person is not the issue because that's that can be very sakyaditi also <laughs> Yeah, I'm only a lay person, something <laughs> like that. Is sakyadete. I mean, on a conventional level, it's it's paramatta satya. You know, it's conventional reality. But it's also, if you grasp that convention, I'm only a lay person. That's sakyadete, and that which is aware of that is not sakyadete. So this is like discerning, being able to discern sakyaditi is from the awareness, mindfulness, and wisdom. And so it's not not saying, you know, anything about being a layman as being, you know, saying it's inferior to being a Samana or any, it's not about judging, comparing. It's merely, you know, what I'm saying is just to catch on, you know, to whatever position you're in is not really the issue. Uh, the encouragement is to awaken to the way things are, the condition of I'm a layman, I'm a monk, I'm a nun is. It's a convention. But if we grasp that convention, then we become another personality and we we bind ourselves to that limitation. Where if we aware of it for what it is, it's not it's not a an analyzing it or comparing, it's recognizing I am a I'm only a lay layman is like this. It's a it's a convention but that which is aware of that is not. That's Dhamma. That's the puto, the awareness of the aramana or the object in the mind. So in this way, you're, you know, this this sati sampanchanya is purity itself. It's not about me trying to purify my mind anymore. It's just recognizing purity and and letting go of impurity or the letting go of the changing condition no longer binding myself to the limitation of conditions that I'm experiencing so the you say the mind in this sense is its nature is purity you don't purify it you you through sati sampachanya, sati panya, you let go of delusions that uh, tend to distort your experience because you 
you're creating distortions that you interpret experience through, through these, uh, the self-views, through Sakyaditi, Sunabhata Brahmasa, Vichikicha. So I offer this for reflection.